should give him a new. All one. right, there you it is. Click off the microphone. I'm I'm on. Oh, you're yeah, on. Sounds good. You're on. Um, How you doing, brothers? Amazing. You're good. talking to Dick Masterson and Sean, the audio engineer. Hey, um, Stefan, I'm a big fan. I have been. I think I've been a subscriber to Free Domain Radio for like five or six years. Is that right? Since I first found you out. I'll be down. Yeah, before Trump. Uh, when you, you know, uh, y- if you've got Dick and Sean, you should just call yourself the Brazilian Waxes or something like that. <laughs> I just think of a sheep and a testicle. But anyway, that could just be me. What's the Sean? <laughs> What's the Sean reference? Sean, as in you, Sean the oh, sheep. Sean, yeah. Oh, yeah, Sean, yeah, Sean. Okay, it's very right, subtle. Right. It's a wordplay. I, I, gotcha. I love it. I've had but sixteen cups of coffee to prepare for a comedy show. I'm good to go. <laughs> yes, uh, Stefan Molly. We are not. We lost famous, an hour. Famous philosopher. Uh, you are an expert on eggs. That is true. It's a funny thing, right? So for those who don't know, like I put this tweet out a little while ago saying, hey, you know, Taylor Swift's just turning 30 and there is little time slices that you get from people, right? Yeah. And uh, I was pointing out, you know, 90% of her eggs are dead. I I hope she thinks about having kids before it's too late. I think she'd be a fun mom. (laughs) You know, I knew that was a type of eggs. Reminder of the passage of time. And, uh, you know, I and I was just watching a documentary on her last night. And one of her friends says, you know, you'd be an excellent mom. And she's like, thanks. And you know what didn't happen was Twitter ninjas coming in through the window to set fire to her apartment because she happened to mention something about the passage of time and female fertility. My God. It's cr- anyway. It's crazy. The reaction to just that was so insane. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's it's like at any moment, anyone on Twitter can be everyone's dad and they're all so angry at their dad. Yeah. So saying, you know, you might want to think about having kids like you're 30. This should be part of your mental calculus. Well, yeah, yeah but it, it goes deep, baby. Deep. Should we should we plumb the depths of how deep this goes? Absolutely. Right. There's so many right. things I want to talk to you about. Uh, number well, one, I'm I'm here for the duration. So amazing. Okay, so it goes deep because the big question is how do you get people interested in you? Well, you know, you guys are up there doing comedy and and very funny, by the way. Thank you. And uh, so, how, how do you get people interested in you? You know, like we're all these like thumb portraits in the back of a Monet painting, or like distance extras in a Brad Pitt movie. And uh, hey, me, hey, me. How do you get people interested in you? For women, they have the nuclear option, which is to load up and fire the V bomb at a guy, right, to offer right. him sex. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know, for women, you know, you know the old cliche, like a guy playing a a, a video game and and streaming is just a neckbeard living in his mom's basement sure. but a woman in a low cup top is a goddess yeah. who must be plied with massive amounts of money and uh, men will eventually end up drinking her bath water for reasons that escape me but we uh, had that guy so on women, here women have the yeah. feed bomb we don't have the feed bomb you know yeah. we, we have the oh man i gotta go out and make some money and make something of myself and right. find develop my wit or my charm or do so many sit-ups i end up looking like an overused pair of children's scissors i mean it's just ridiculous how much work men have to do whereas women are just like tops off you know you and i do a protest about something and we show up shirtless and people are like man boobs but women do it on the westminster bridge or london bridge at the moment it's like i thought that bridge came with a lot more supports because yeah. they're kind of topless and so half the time for women it's like hey my eyes are up here and the other half is like i wrote my message about global warming on my uh on my dirty pillows and you need to look at those now so and i'm women, good with that right. and i'm good with that i don't want yeah. any more than that i like the pro like people shit on women taking their tops off to protest but i'm like look i don't want to hear arguments i'm not really an argument guy as just match all the women on both sides up with their tits out and let my dick be the judge yeah, my next uh, uh, my next book is going to be a picture of topless women protesting, saying, "Not an argument, but not bad." Yeah, and that's actually something to keep. So, for women, if you take away 
the V-bomb, right? In other words, if you take away just sexual access, what do they have to bring to the table? Now, of course, in a sane universe, a lot of women bring a lot of wonderful things to the table. But if you're sort of saying to men, ah, you know, you should really start thinking about settling down with a woman who can be the mother of your children, then, you know, the tatted up goth queen who's very, very exciting, but, you know, also is going to take you for a Thelma and Louise style ride off a cliff, suddenly doesn't seem so high in the sexual market value category. And so if you start messing with people's sexual market value, they get really, really angry. Oh, and if you've been dabbling in hanging out with or hanging dangling sexual access in front of men to have value in the dating market and someone starts talking about motherhood and parenting and children and so on, I mean, men really reorient away from that stuff and those women end up kind of out in the cold and, well, they don't, they don't seem to take it very well. No, they don't. Um, and <clears throat> it's like, uh, every woman that sees themselves in, in the Taylor Swift model or tries to follow in her footsteps seems so deeply offended by it. Uh, it's, it's really the, it's the offense is sad, is sad to see like one woman deciding whether or not to have kids. I don't care, but people getting so angry about it. Like, you know, your, your anger only affects you. Right. Like Stefan Molyneux yeah. knows what he's talking. He already has decided what he's talking about. You're not changing his mind by freaking out like this. Um, it's You're sad driving to see. yourself nuts. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, look, comedians have this too. I remember seeing a comedian a long time ago in a pretty dingy club in a suburb of Toronto called Mississauga. And the comedian, in a sort of moment of, oh, Lord, time is passing, is like, yeah, I thought, I, I thought I'd have a TV show by now. <laughs> but what I'm actually doing is talking to half a dozen people in a seedy club in the middle of nowhere. Mm, and yeah. everybody gets these flashes of time passing. How's my life going? You know, the hurly-burly of the everyday is so distracting. Every now and then you're going to get this zoom out moment where you say, okay, in the big arc of my life, and you, you connect to when you were a kid and you had some fantasy or some idea of right. how mm. your life was going to go in the future and you were going to be an astronaut or a cowboy or a fireman or something yeah. like that. And, and, and you get these flashes of where is my life in the big picture yeah. now and you that don't want to save that suicide. until you're old because it's too late to fix it <laughs> yeah but uh when i i try to deliver these flashpoints to people to yank them out of the everyday to give them that big picture so that they don't end up with this decaying orbit of a life that crashes into nothingness way too soon i oh, mean it's, it's a, the it's the einstein public uh, service the what what is what is einstein's quote on um on compounding interest like the only oh. it's the strongest force in the universe is compounding interest but i Huh. I know exactly what you're talking about. I try to do the same thing because the little, like the little changes you can make when you're young, are just so much more valuable than the changes you can make when you're sure that you can that you should make them. Well, in your thirties, yeah. and they um, sadly, yeah, yeah, we've been getting into that recently on this show because this is our we're having our two hundredth episode soon. So well, how old are you guys? I'm forty two. I'm thirty nine. And how how's your life arc going? Terrible. <laughs> Mine's going okay, better than Sean's. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Let, let's bring out all the disasters in a comedy show that we possibly can. Uh-huh. Uh I I think mine's going great. No, my I'm 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 doing I'm doing all right. I'm a, You're doing all right? Yeah. 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 It's everything's in the right direction. It's moving in the right direction. I've just, I just I'm doom and gloom all the time. So. I got to start seriously thinking about having kids. That's the one yeah. thing. Like I'm set. I am. I'm happy about the way my career has gone. Wait, mm -hmm. wait. Is this the 39 or the 42 year old? All you white people I'm, sound the same to I'm, me. I so know. I'm 39. This is the 39 year old talking. Right. The, the, the right. I'm the side. You've got to start the... thinking about having kids. Oh yeah. yeah. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's only it's only been 20 years of fertility. I mean, what's the rush? 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm about, uh, I'm towards the sunset on that, aren't I? Are you in a relationship? relationship? Yes, I am. I have a girlfriend. How long for? Me. How long have we been dating? Three years? Four? Oh, five? Ooh, uh-oh. Five yeah. years? Uh, I think yeah. Stefan's about you to know, tell me You know, if you can't tell the years apart, it's because you haven't had kids yet. Things are a little bit of a blur, right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. And is, how old is your partner? Younger than me. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, assuming, you know, that she's within a stone's throw of your years, you gotta, you gotta, like, get off the pot and just get moving, man. Just yeah, do it. No. In fact, I don't even care if you take three minutes out of the show. That's totally fine with me, man. Just, just do you it. Knock it out right now. Right. Yeah, just yeah absolutely. For him to hang up with this right phone now. and know that maybe you have impregnated your girlfriend will be a, 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 a good day for Stefan. Yeah. That is live radio, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is like a it's it's like I did a show once where a guy got arrested during the middle of the show um and and this this would top that just in terms of like we actually have impregnation occurring in the I show think I could, I think I could host the show while doing it. I had my I had my balls <laughs> filled with say. saline. I had a liter of saline injected into my uh, scrotum to fill them up by a furry uh, and I was able to somewhat host the show. Yeah. Yeah. Can we can we just back that up for a moment? I just yeah. Yeah. want to make sure <laughs> I got that you statement correctly because yeah. I'm not sure if you just broke into fluent Klingon and said something sane there. But what the hell was that about a furry? Honestly, I highly recommend it. I have been very upfront, a big promoter of this um, of this Ball procedure. inflation, Stefan. You have got to try it. You're you will never feel the same after pumping a, a half liter of saline into your scrotum. You will walk around with a, it's not permanent. It's like a two-day high of having a ball sack that is larger than life. Well, that's also just called being a philosopher online. But uh, yeah, hey, mm. if you need if you need outside accessories to achieve what I achieved just by getting out of bed, more power to you. Well, what's your what's your life arc been like? Well, how's your uh, philosophy? Seems like insane. And how, how old are you? What what age are you? I'm fifty three. Are you 53. really? Yeah. Well, you, I you really s- am. You sound a lot younger. How old do you sound? Uh, he sounds like he's in his thirties yeah, well, or something. Well, I've got a little Mickey Mouse filter on the mic, so um, gotcha. Yeah, I yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. I actually no, you know, he doesn't like have a craggy a voice of an older Barry guy. White but... and the Crypt Keeper in general, but uh-huh. I'm trying to youth it up for your audience. How has gotcha. your yeah. How has your arc been as a philosopher? You You are you're the creator, the coiner of the not an argument. The, that's not an argument, mm-hmm. which is um, it's like it's so valuable mentally. It has been so valuable to me. The first time I ever mm. heard you say that's not an argument, mm-hmm. like that's not an argument, it's just dismissed this me- immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you say it so many times because people seem to be fundamentally unable to create an argument, yeah. um, especially online, especially with anybody you talk to online, but even one on one with people, you just sit there and they start reacting, screaming. Uh, getting emotional, and in my mind, I've got the little uh, the uh, Molyneux totem, like an Inception, just going. That's not an argument. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. <laughs> you don't have to explain to that. You don't have to answer that shit because it's not an argument. Yeah, but but then do you have to explain to them why it's not an argument? That's where you get sucked in. I don't know. Can you talk about that, Stefan? Because I I love it. It's been very valuable to me, and I think a lot of other people. And it's so satisfying to just tell somebody to fuck off with. That's not an mm-hmm. argument. Like whatever. You're <laughs> Well, okay. So, I mean, to some degree, it comes out of parenting, right? So when, when you have kids, you have to be mindlessly enthusiastic 
in the beginning, right? Mm. That's And this generally, like, the maternal phase, and women are generally better at this, you know, like, yay, good job, you know, oh, yeah. you, you're walking, excellent, right? And and so this mindless cheerleading enthusiasm is really great. Now, unfortunately, we as a society has turned have turned over the education of our children to women, pretty yeah. much, for the most part, certainly yeah. up until... Um, <laughs> now I know why he's on the dick show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so what, what's happened is you've got this mindless boosterism where everyone gets a trophy and it's, yay, everyone, I know, and I hate women that. have a very tough yeah. time saying, that sucks, you missed, you ran slowly, you didn't practice, you aren't prepared, you didn't do a good job. Now, men, you know, we have to, you know, Godfather style, we have to take things a little bit more seriously out here in the world where really, really bad things can happen to people who make mistakes. We don't have the pussy pass. We don't have the soft place to land. Generally, we have too much pride to sit on the welfare state and have children. So we have this whole generation of people who've grown up thinking that they know how to debate. They know how, they know what truth is. They know how to arrive at a valid conclusion. Yes. And, yeah. you know, when you're a kid uh, and, and you're running and you're kicking your first soccer ball, you know, your, your parents are like, yay, good kick, you know, good job. And so on, even if you stand on the ball and fall on your butt, they want to be enthusiastic. But then if you want to be a soccer player, at some point, you've got to get that whiskey, chugging tobacco chewing coach who just says yang you got suck. it <laughs> yeah yang got yeah. it you missed <laughs> you, you missed you tripped on the ball get up and try it again and do your damn drills because you're not getting any faster kid and and we're so i don't know we've been weakened so much by all of this boosterism that yeah, what i want to point out to people is <clears throat> you think you took a shot but you missed yeah, it is really... I'm really get, emotional about it, so I'm right. You get trained, kids get trained into thinking that they're having, like, actual conversations. Like, I go back to, to school, yeah. high school, school, you're writing these papers that are just indecipherable garbage. Yeah. You're talking about the same text every single year, talk, making nonsensical points about them, but the entire time you're being told that the way you think is good and that, that and that college is, imp- is important for critical thinking. Therefore, if I win, yeah. I'm capable of critical thinking. Yeah, uh, as opposed to, yeah. Right, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's turned into a point where social, uh, your social credit is how well you can clown on somebody else and argue and look smart, but it's all just, it's nonsense. Like you've got people who have absolutely no ability to summarize your argument or may or even make even make a coherent argument against it. Um, yeah, I blame women too. Well, I mean, <laughs> not women in Way particular. It's a up. whole yeah. messed up system. But yeah. uh, I really just want people to understand that there's so many wonderful things to learn in life that you're not going to learn if you think you already know shit. And you know shit. Yeah. yeah, like you just people don't know how much they don't know, and and it's really tragic to uh, to see just like people's interactions online. And I had a debate with this pretty aggressive communist last night, where I'm basically like, "Hey, man, you want to put me into the ground? You want to put my family in the ground?" And we got yeah. we got into it pretty hard. And you know, he was strawmanning me like crazy. I actually at one point had to ask him to okay, just repeat back to me the argument I just made. It was Dude. like twenty seconds yeah. long. Yeah. No, just no, repeat no. it back to me without strawmanning, without injecting your own garbage into it. Just re- I'm not just saying say you have to agree with just it. Just say and the words I, that I, I can said. argue pro communism. I can argue pro things, fascism, things I disagree mm-hmm. with. You got to know the other person's standpoint, right. and you've got to accurately reproduce their arguments otherwise you're just uh, it's not a fencing match right you're just knocking over something in the kitchen and calling yourself zorro well because people people are afraid to even go there i think oh yeah to even attempt to understand somebody else's argument i agree i agree so they just you. they don't they don't listen they just wait for their turn to yell 
It's like the tribalism. You're right. People don't know what they don't know. And it's, it's such a limiting way to go through life. Well, here's the real tragedy too. So you think of somebody um, who's not like a kid anymore, like maybe sort of mid-late 20s or whatever and onwards, and they're out there, you know, struffing and huffing and puffing and thinking that they're knocking over all of these uh, arguments and so on, and they're not. And mm-hmm. what that tells you is that they're surrounded by people who put up with the most inane bullshit mm-hmm. that can be imagined and sure. never call them out on anything. It's like that big fish in the little pond scenario. I get into lots of arguments with people who are probably the smartest person in their little tiny town, right? and yeah. then they get into the big leagues and it's like they're just completely unprepared mm-hmm. and it, it's it's because of the social situation if you realize that you're full of shit then you have to realize that everyone around you has either not seen that you're full of shit or has seen it and has never called you out on it this calls your entire social circle your family your entire environment into question so people mm-hmm. aren't so much avoiding me or, or arguments they're avoiding finding out just how garbage strewn their social and familial relationships generally are it's just true like the flat earth guys like they have yeah. it has to be true or else their entire social network is gone yeah um, right right if, if yeah. one if one piece gets pulled out of the jenga tower yeah it all um, comes down and it's Sivan, were you getting bothered to debate destiny you brought up debates uh i i think uh, i think i heard about that from ralph ethan ralph and the ralph retort that you were in that you were asked to debate destiny or something like that do you remember that? Yeah, so we we batted the idea back and forth uh, a little bit, uh, but uh, he's uh, he, he's 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 a little bit on the pro violence side, as far as I understand it, and that's yeah. not a particularly good place to start debating from. And that's uh, true. Yep, hmm. he did say. I mean, that, is, is that an unfair way to characterize it? No, it's not. Uh, he did say that it's time to like it's. He's not taking it off the table. Political violence. I've mm-hmm. I've gotten into a screaming match with him that I think was embarrassing for both sides. Uh, precisely because I am not interested in looking intelligent or arguing intelligently <laughs> with people, uh, and I do, especially when someone when I know that they are not that they are not arguing in good faith, that they're taking everything you're saying, trying to twist it to mm-hmm. so that something to be something they can argue with, or just not even bothering to understand you. I, I really hate that shit. Um, well, it's no. team stuff, you know, like the, if it's your team versus their team, nobody thinks that a sports team is a battle of moral absolutes. It's just, you know, red team versus blue team or something yeah. like that. Fuck's just like me. If it's a team based <laughs> thing. And, and, you know, when we were batting like around topics, uh, he just was kind of indifferent and, and offensive. And I'm just like, eh, it just doesn't seem particularly uh, inviting. Yeah. But, you know, I, I did a debate with uh, Matt McManus uh, recently, uh, who was calling me out on Twitter. And I challenged him to a debate and we had a really productive, it was a sort of one on one turned into a two on one because the moderator was on his side. But uh, mm. and then I just did one last night with the uh, editor and publisher of Zero Books, who's a Marxist. So you know, I'm keen to do debates. Uh, mm. I really do enjoy it. And uh, but you know, I think people have to have some level of capacity to have a debate yeah. uh, in order for it to be worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the rise of Marxism in the U.S. specifically? Uh, to me, from you know, my thinking on it is people have no, um, they have no sense of, uh, they have no sense of potential. Like they have no ability, there's no, there's no feeling like they can make anything for themselves. And they're kind of right. 
Like they're kind of yeah. right that the future of their labor has already been sold due to it's monetary policy and and corporate very bailouts. Very different than it was a hundred years ago. Like or if 50 I fifty years ago or if I talk very about different. it, I sound like a communist. So I can't I can't look at guy like all the Bernie Bros or the people looking for handouts and say you're wrong because I don't think they are. But I also don't know. I also don't know what to do about it. Uh, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? The rise of Marxism in general, like it is an evil ideology. I think you would agree with that, but I also don't know how to tell them that they're wrong. That's my question. Right. Big, big question. So the answer is that more of the same isn't going to work. It's just, it's not going to work. Now, people think that communism is something like down the road, something that is going to happen in the future, something that is being proposed by, you know, that guy who combs his hair with a helium balloon. And so... It's not the case. Communism in the West has largely been already implemented. Like, there's no doubt about that. I mean, when you look at what the communists want, uh, they want a huge uh, graduated income tax. Well, that's already been achieved. They want government control of currency. Well, that's already been achieved. They want government control of education. That's already been achieved. They want government control of health care. That's been achieved in most of the West, and about half of it's been achieved in America. The government spends over 40 cents on the dollar on health care. So when you look at the Communist Manifesto, I mean, this is not something looming ahead. This is like something which was 10 speed bumps in the rear view. Yeah. So if people don't like the system that is, and God knows there's six million reasons not to love the system and to hate it vociferously, then saying, well, the answer is communism. It's like, no, 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 no. That's how we got here. That's how we got here. I was listening to you guys talk about like student debt and student loans and so on. Yeah. I mean, these fucking Marxists in, in college, like the, the professors and all of that, Jesus, I mean, they talk about sympathy for the working class. We care about the working class. We care about the proletariat. And basically they lie impressionable young people into taking on massive debt so that they mm-hmm. can be programmed with Marxist cliches to hate the society they live in that might give them any chance of advancement. Yeah. I mean, they're really like, like a bunch of vampires preying upon the young. You've got the baby boomers who are so desperate to prop up the value of their real estate that they're willing to cheer and champion mass immigration into a country which is really destabilizing most Western countries. And, you know, you can't tell them anything. The boomers just know everything about what's right and what's wrong, and, mm-hmm. and they won't hear anything else. And they think else. it's and, funny. They think printing money is funny. Like, they really yeah, do I think mean, that, the monetar- that the quantitative easing policies of the Fed yeah. are funny. Um, yeah, or the just put money in the, the system trading IOUs communist or central government, uh, big government, totalitarian systems. And so when I talk to young people, I'm like, you think communism is the solution? Communism is how you got here. You know, it's like somebody half coughing up a lung because they've been a pack a day smoker for 20 years saying, you know what, maybe smoking and cigars is the way forward. I'm just going to push through this shit and yeah. I'm just going to emerge on the other side uh, a youthful Bruce Jenner, you know, without that weird story. Arc Maybe later it's on in the life. flu and coronavirus is the that's answer. That's what we need. Right. We'll be invincible. Uh, that's true. Well, that's going to, uh, you know, coronavirus, man, it's going to lower some real estate prices. You want to short some real estate, that might, mm. <laughs> it might not be the bad time there to you do go. it. It's crazy. I mean, I think the Fed's going to start buying stocks too. Like, I think they're going to yeah. get c- congressional approval to just 100% manipulate the price of the stock market. Like, okay, well, that, that's the only, how else do you beat Bitcoin? How else, how else can you, how else can you dig deeper than negative interest rates other than using imaginary money to buy stocks? Can you can you imagine how sad a show you'd have to be if you had to pay people to watch it? Can you imagine how <laughs> Yo, sad I would be the young Turks. if you could well, pay people to borrow it? That's how every band is in L.A. 
That's the Young Turks. Yeah. They get bought. I mean, they're all that. They're just entirely um, exist on corporate subsidies. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so you, Stefan, you have this remarkable ability on Twitter to say some of the most outrageous shit about IQ and demographics and not get banned for it. And huh. I would love to know your secret because I can't say shit without getting accounts deleted. Well, no, he does it with an accent. I mean- Uh, And this is what I said. Don't shoot the messenger. That's a ridiculous thing to do, right? I've talked to, I think, 18 world experts from the left and the right and people who aren't even political about the basic science of human intelligence and varieties and all of that. And it's an important conversation. And yeah. so, you know, when people get mad at me, it's like, you know, I'm, hey, I'm just, I'm just a message boy here. You know, it's like getting you know, mad at the person who delivers a bill to you. Like, hey, man, you're charging me. It's like, nope, just delivering the bill. And what? so when I bring oh, yeah. these conversations to bear on essential social and political issues, it's like, yeah, well, uh, people can get mad at me. But I mean, that's like, you know, getting mad because it's raining. I mean, it's just a fact of, of reality. It's a fact of life. It's a fact of science. And uh, it's funny because the left gets more mad at it. And they're supposed to be the party of science who just look down on all these primitive, uh, you know, people who think that human beings coexisted with dinosaurs. Certainly, just right certainly so hypocrisy the there. science yeah. deniers yeah. are on the left these days. Mm-hmm. Why is the, yeah, why is climate science somehow more valid than all the IQ science? Well, it, I mean, I don't know, because, but so, because Stefan might. Social, you, you're talking with in regards to other human beings versus, you know what I mean, nature or something without feelings. This is numbers. No, no, climate, climate science is very much human beings. I mean, if if, uh, if they get their way with this carbon tax and this really radical rewriting of the economy, uh, hundreds of thousands of people at a bare minimum are going to die. I mean, there's no question. I mean, there's real lives on the line when it comes to this climate science. But, you know, it's about communist control of the economy. It's about trillions of dollars in taxes. What the hell do they care about facts or human lives? Yeah. Um, What do you how do you defend IQ science? Because I find um, I found myself in that position before. Even Mm -hmm. bringing up IQ Mm -hmm. makes people pissed off. Like they get they get pre pissed off of the thought of it existing. Yeah. Like it's a credit score for their worth as a human being because it kind of is. Well, uh, it's just well, a. That's, okay. it, that's my answer. Let's move on. No. So it's not, it's not worth as a human being. Yeah. And we, yeah. Look, we all understand that there are incredibly productive people in every field. You know, you got Magic Johnson, you got Freddie Mercury, you've got uh, Elon Musk, you've got uh, Steve Jobs. I mean, there are just incredibly productive people in every field. Mm-hmm. And they're really, really important to having the modern world. I mean, no Tesla, no Edison, no Bell and so on. Yeah, arguably, it's a lot delayed or there's no modern world. So we fully understand these people. Uh, and, you know, these people who say, well, we're all the same, they're going to pay 600 bucks for a fucking pair of Taylor Swift tickets. It's like, why? <laughs> if we're all the same, why don't just do karaoke at home and charge 600 bucks, right? So everyone understands <laughs> that there are these differences, but it's not about human worth at all. No, I agree you know, with People you. who have less IQ, they're not inhuman. They're exactly the same rights, same opportunities, same reality, same, they're human. There's nothing in terms of better or worse. Somebody who's a great singer is not a more moral or valuable human being in an existential sense than someone who can't, you know, string two tunes together without sounding like William Hung. So this this idea that somehow you, uh, so you get paid more if generally, if you get paid more, if you have a higher IQ. I mean, there's lots of exceptions, but that's just, so what? You 
get no. paid more in the music industry. You get paid more if you can write great songs or if you're a great singer. Right. But being a great singer has a lot to do with your genetics. Uh, so mm-hmm. you're just born with a great voice and then you can train it to make it even better. But we all understand that there's differences in value. But just because someone makes yeah. more money than you doesn't make them a better human being. It doesn't make them more moral. It doesn't make them more valuable in, in, in a sort of moral or, or whatever sense. And a lot of people who make a lot of money, man, I've spent some time around some money people. There's a lot of miserable people out there who've worked their 80 hours a week, burned through three marriages, don't see their yeah. kids, have mm-hmm. ulcers, oh, yeah. and they're wealthy. And it's like, okay, but if you just look at the money, then you're like, oh, envy, envy, destroy, destroy. But you got to look at the big picture. It's like not a I well-rounded up, life some of the time. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I grew up poor. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of low-rent jobs, which were great at the time. You know, I worked... I worked as a waiter. I worked uh, cleaning offices. I worked uh, um, uh, in in uh, as, as a temp, and I, I had a paper route and all this kind of stuff. And man, you know, the people who worked the line, the people who were the quote workers, right? They looked on the boss with a peculiar kind of pity, you know, because we'd all be like the end of the shift. The uh, the waiter uh, as a waiter, like Pizza Hut. I worked at Pizza Hut. I worked at Switchley and so on. We'd all go out, you know, and, and have something to, to drink, or we'd go out and have a coffee or whatever. And the, the the manager would sort of be stuck in this dingy, fluorescent, flickering back room with this piles of paper just going through bills and invoices water dripping and from the ceiling. Be like, man, that sucks. You know, I wouldn't want to be that guy. You couldn't pay me to be that guy. And everyone just makes their choices. And there's nothing wrong. If, the, if you want to be the boss and you want to work extra hard to be the boss, fantastic. If you want to just work to live and go bowling in, at night and leave your work behind you and don't have emails popping up at 3 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday, that's fine too. But so people just understand, be happy with your choices. And the fact that smart people can make a lot of money is really great for people. You know, I mean, how much, how many, how much employment has Steve Jobs given people? How much employment sure. has Tesla given people? How much employment has Jeff Bezos given people? You know, people say, oh, we're yeah. getting really, really mad at uh, Jeff Bezos. I was chatting with a friend of mine who was telling me that he was a, um, he was an intern uh, at Amazon. Do you know what he got paid as an intern? A hundred thousand dollars. Man, you interned at, at, at the New York Times, you get nothing, nothing. In, in New York of all places. So <laughs> Jeff Bezos yeah. has made a huge number of people wealthy. Good, you know, fantastic. That's this wonderful. Why should we get so mad? Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's this guttural reaction to it. Even suggesting that there is such a number, even suggesting that IQ is valid, people have this visceral, angry reaction to it. And I don't know. These are things that I don't know how we can change. If you have, Mm -hmm. what are your, what are your thoughts on what, what we can do to unwind some of this stuff? Cause there's just like, I, I have zero hope. I don't think it can be fixed at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. I think the country's going to continue to decline, and I'm just going to buy more Bitcoin and mm-hmm. tell people to do it. I like. I don't have. Uh, I can't see a way forward where you ex- where you can explain to people logically where you can explain like, where no, you can. I feel exactly the same where, way. Where you can tell elementary school teachers like you gotta st- you gotta teach these kids something different than what you're doing like you. You got to change something, but I don't see a way forward through it. And like Stefan said, it's it's not an indictment of you as a human being. Yeah, and no. it, it's not even. It's just there. Somewhere along the line, different became bad. Yeah, you know what I mean. Those words. Well, yeah. no. Again, I don't mean to sort of sound like you know Joe McCarthy seeing communists in the jam. But IQ as an explanatory factor as to why there are different wealth categories in society is directly in opposition to the Marxist 
lie, right? So the Marxists right. say, well, why is that guy rich? Well, he's rich, you see, because he's an evil scumbag who stole from you and stole from yeah. your family and right. inflicted smallpox on your ancestors. And, and so they whip up this class resentment and this rage. And I just did this whole documentary on Hong Kong with the history of China and all that. Uh, people should look for it if they can find it. It's kind of buried, unfortunately, under Google and YouTube, but they can go to uh, freedomain.com. Just click on documentaries. It's right there. And so when you have a competing explanation, they're going to be at war with each other. So the answer as to why some people get very wealthy and some people don't is largely related to IQ. Now, IQ is only 80% genetic. So you got 20% to work with, which is one of the areas I love to work in. And, and I'd rather be mm. wise than smart. And that's why I work uh, and you guys work to bring some wisdom to the planet, right? But when you say to people, the answer to wealth disparity generally has to do with IQ. And yeah, there's some conscientiousness, there's some work ethic, there's some choice mm -hmm, in there. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to just sit and be with what you're given. But if you can get people to understand that IQ has a lot to do with wealth disparity, then the communists have no fertile ground in which to sow their seeds of destruction. Because you can then say... Like, I don't sit there, uh, I don't know, Michael Buble, some great singer, right? Yeah. I don't sit there and say, man, Michael Buble, he's only able to do those concerts because he stole my singing voice. You know, like, I mean, that's not what happened. He's a better singer than I am, so he gets to have a, a concert and, and all of that, right? So if you can get people to understand that there are some people just born very smart, and look, there's a lot you can do with your intelligence. I'm not a determinist that way, and we should sit back, admire, and enjoy the fact that they're able to create such wealth and create jobs and create great services and make the rest of us which were wealthier. Fantastic. But the Marxists come along and say, no, 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 it's exploitation, it's evil, it's meanness, it's viciousness, they stole from you. And it's a war of accepting reality and finding peace or rejecting reality and us all going down in a shit show of revolution and murder. But the, yeah. the brain is an abstract thing. To yeah. people it's not oh he's taller than him he's faster than right. him he's stronger than him so it becomes people want to poke holes in smarts. that i'm from new york yeah this is how, yeah, yeah right? people want to poke holes <laughs> in that all the time iq don't mean shit you yeah know, it's like there are physiological differences the in, in everybody the dog. like no motherfucker it's the size of the dog in the fight are you yeah. stupid you're right. gonna throw a chihuahua in to there a pit bull. A pit bull? Yeah. good you luck don't fucking think mcfly yeah. the size of the dog bitch um, it's like all these memes and rhymes we've created to just to compensate for this fear of not being adequate because we're not. Okay, uh, okay. So let me let me just give the last little bit here, sure. which is the the solution, right? Uh, I can see why you guys are a little hesitant about having kids if you feel like we're in the sort of end times here. <laughs> yes, no, I, that is really why. Oh, let's have a child, right? It's really why. Now, um, no, I get it. Okay, but listen, listen. So, have you guys ever had like a really meaty phobia? Um, like commitment? Like, what no, kind of no, nothing that, nothing that dick napped. No, something like uh, I don't know, heights or snakes or spiders or or dwarves or whatever it is, right? Uh, God, I don't, I, I don't like spiders. I don't like. Doctor Phil asked yeah. me the same thing, and I said heights. I mean, like, like a uh, yeah, like a fear that you're like paralyzed when confronted with it. I don't think I have anything like that. But I mean, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of heights. Yeah. Uh, do you? Okay. Well, what's, do you so what's, what's your biggest hiccup mentally then? If it's not a phobia, there's got to be. I mean, everyone has something that stands in their way. I oh, mean, I have out of control alcoholism. Mm, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have so you're, you're I have crippling self doubt. You have a phobia of being sober. Yes, I have a terrible phobia of being sober. I can't do right. it for more than three days. He doesn't want to see the world as it really is. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. So, 
the way that you would hopefully get over that phobia of sobriety is that you would progressively decline your alcohol consumption. Because, you know, like quitting cold turkey, getting the DTs is all kinds of not fun, right? True. It's the same thing if, if somebody's afraid of spiders, like really afraid of spiders, like they, mm-hmm. they can't sleep if they hear a tree brushing up against their window because yeah. they think it's some shelob-sized Armageddon death spider about to suck uh-huh. out their innards, then what you do is you, you have them look at a picture of a spider and their adrenaline's mm. going to spike Easy and their fight or flight's going to kick in. And then, you know, they get used to that. And then you show them a spider at a distance in a box, right? And then you move the box closer. This is progressive exposure, right? Then you okay. open the box yep. and then you have them touch the spider. And eventually, like bit by bit, they will be able to have that spider on their hand, full on 007 Sean McConnery style crawling up his tits, right? And so yeah, glass, progressive though. exposure is the way to go. Now, Twitter is an incredible mechanism. This is a giant psychological experiment on on the planet. It's Mm. an incredible mechanism for progressive exposure. And I guess I mean both progressive exposure to phobia and relinquishing it, but also exposure to progressives of actual scientific facts, which apparently they're allergic to. So what happens is people see a tweet about women's fertility or about eggs or about men's rights or whatever. And the first time they're like, triggered, (laughs) ah, right? But then they'll see it again. Now, you can't maintain it the same way. And and you get this progressive diminishment of the triggering of what's going on, right? Now, this should have all been done when they were kids, so they're better at things and so on. But there's this amazing thing that we have, because the mainstream media used to keep all of this stuff at bay. And then people would, the moment they saw it, they'd be triggered and they'd never have a chance to diminish that trigger response, that rage response, that fight or flight response. But with Twitter, with with other social media platforms, you can introduce ideas. People can freak out. They can freak out a little bit next time. And after a while, they can actually absorb a fact or two without shitting themselves. I mean, that like the even though everybody still hates Trump, all of his wall rhetoric that was so outrageous and offensive at the beginning, it's it's like, oh, that's status quo. We're used to that. Now we're arguing about the size of it. You know what I mean? Like, right. oh well, he hasn't actually built it yet. Like, okay, so you're on board with you're on board with the idea now. Now or it's you just, just that he hasn't stopped done getting it. excited about. Yeah, yeah. It's the size of the dog and the wall, Dick. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, but Trump also has a genius for magically excavating secret thoughts and putting them front and center. Like he won the presidency to me in that first debate, where not only was the the great line about. Um, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, but he said, "Listen, we don't we don't have time for political correctness anymore." And yeah. everybody has thought that. Oh, come on, we all know that this is so boring. It's such a limit. I thought about this when I'm coming on this podcast. I'm like, "Oh, great, I'm coming on a podcast with comedians." So that means I'm either desperately unfunny and dull, or I'm going to say stuff that people are going to take out of context and use to attack me on Wikipedia or whatever it is. Right? There's and a worse so you one. Just kinda, kinda You're let too that funny. Stuff go because he was talking about. Let's just start dealing with actual facts rather than hysterically reacting in a way that we've been programmed to by some very malevolent people. And he's constantly doing that. He's constantly doing that. Even when he had this coarse comment about, you know, women will let you grab them by the pussy if you're rich and famous. It's like, hello, ever heard of a groupie? I mean, everybody knows this, that there's a certain class of women like that. And and he just brings these things to the forefront and eventually people are like, you know what? Uh, this actually kind of reminds me of a conversation I had last week with someone, but I would never tell anyone. So there's this faux outrage out front, but deep down in back, everyone's like, yeah, I get, I get. Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. Did we lose him? I don't know. No, no, I'm still oh, good. Oh, good. good. Yeah, just clipped out. Yeah. You just, you yeah. just were, sh- were shocked that I didn't have a 20 minute monologue. I, I get it. I am. <laughs> no, I am no, no, no. Too. How do you think Trump's doing, by the way? How, uh, overall, what do, you, what do you grade him in his first term? 
Well, so, I mean, politics is the art of the possible, right? So yeah. there is the ideal and there's the campaign rhetoric. Sure. Uh, as far as immigration goes, man, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. You know, I mean, there's there's uh, all of these uh, H-1B-1 visas. There's all of these foreign <sighs> workers coming in and killing American workers. So as far as immigration goes, he's bad. As yeah. far as manufacturing goes, man, A+. Plus. And yeah. man, this, this, uh, this, this Kung flu is going to be really causing all of the countries in the world to start Kung bringing flu. their manufacturing back home. Funny story. Turns out relying on a foreign dictatorship uh, halfway across the globe uh, wasn't really the best strategy if you want to, I don't know, maintain your delivery of essential medicines uh, or things like that. Oh, so we uh, as far as manufacturing goes, yeah. he's good. Yeah, he's not taken on the Fed. He's not taken on fiat currency. Uh, he's not taken on the national debt. The spending bills are huge. Yeah. But I assume, I assume that he's got a plan in his back pocket for after November, right? So if he gets in after November and he doesn't have to worry about re-election, unless he goes full FDR and gets three and a half terms or whatever it was, then I think yeah, right. he's going to go full tilt boogie on immigration. And I think he's going to go full tilt boogie on trying to do something to handle the deficit, because this is what's so disappointing and pathetic about the Democrats. Man, you don't need to be a great parent if you just give your kids candy all the time, you know, because they're just going to love you because you're giving them candy and you let them stay up late and you, they don't have to eat anything good and they don't have to exercise. They can play video games all day. Like if you're just giving people what they want in the moment, you don't need a single shred of spinal leadership. The leadership is required when you got to march people into battle. Leadership is required not by someone like Chamberlain who gave in to Hitler, by someone like Churchill, who stood up to Hitler. And so I would like to see from Trump more of a, you know, we've got some really serious shit going on in this country and fixing it ain't going to be pretty, but we all got to pull together to find a way to do it. And yeah, that means some old people are going to have to take some shave backs on Social Security because there's no money in the kitty. It was all spent decades ago. All that's in the kitty for Social Security is a bunch of dusty IOU treasury bills that are worth nothing. Uh, yep, and so right, he's yeah. got to talk. He's got to talk to women and say, "Look, man, this welfare state is drawing way too many immigrants here who are coming here for free stuff, not freedom." Uh, so I'm sorry that uh, this has been going on for so long, but we got to shave back on the welfare state. Otherwise, we're just going to keep attracting more people who are going to bury the economy and change the culture, possibly irrevocably. He's got to start having some tough talk. He's yeah. got to start talking to the CEOs and saying, "Listen, we're forcing billions and billions of dollars into the stock market to escape the tax man, and that is pushing up your profits to the point where." Any idiot asswipe with a peewee home and business plan can make a fortune. We got to change that. We got to let people keep more of their own money. He's got to start asking for sacrifice. That is the mark of a real leader. And so far, maybe it's because of the reelection thing. I don't know. But you've got all of the Democrats on one side saying free stuff forever and nothing needs to change. And, you know, we are magic. We can produce goods out of our armpits by, um, you know, armpit farting the theme from Jaws or whatever. And you got to have someone standing up and saying, like, enough of the kindergarten bullshit. Like, we got to have an adult in the house. An adult means, yeah, we got some stuff to fix and it's going to take some sacrifices. And people respond quite well to that stuff if it's phrased right. I think so, too. I've always thought instead his second term is going to be where he starts actually executing a lot of these ideas because they're going to well, be so unpalatable. Well, that's when they don't care anymore like you know like you said once you're you know you're you're you don't have to worry about re-election you yeah. get in there and and you you roll your sleeves up and you start ripping out innards yeah um you know enough politics i wanted to ask you on a personal level do you remember the moment because i've been following you for a long time like uh, you're a you know big shot now you're given you're on cernovich's movies and uh twitter twitter household name do you remember when it switched for you 
when you went from this is a dream you're having of being a philo- being the philosophy guy online to when you became the philosophy guy online like you're, <laughs> you know you're you're the you're the giant that guys like destiny and whoever what matt mechanis is that what you said you're the guy they want to slay right you're the guy that they want to come and base their career on your corpse uh <laughs> can you i mean there was a you're you've been how long have you been married you're married right yeah, um, my wife and I have been together 18 years, married 17. And there's got to have been a time where you're thinking in the back of your mind, like, what am I doing? Am I doing the right move for my wife and my family here? Like, when did it become your career, I guess is what I'm asking, from just a guy making well, videos online? I'm going to tell you, I, I remember exactly the moment that it happened where it became a career. Uh, and it's when all possible avenues of escape were cut off. <laughs> You know, like yeah. no one fights as desperately as a cornered animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was pretty early on into what I was doing when the mainstream media came after me as like a cult leader and things like that, because I had the audacity to say to people that they didn't have to stay in abusive relationships, even if it happened to be their own parents, right? If they're adults, they don't have to, you know, should try and work things out, but they don't sure. have to stay, right? And so the mainstream media greeted such a, to me, very common sense statement where, yeah. oh my God, he's a cult leader who's out there destroying families for fun and profit. And, you know, once you get a bunch of media articles about you like that, I'm like, well, I you're, guess there's no one going back to the business <laughs> yeah, world. You're, all, you're, you're painted. You're <laughs> already painted. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, like you, you, if you make people, I want to say desperate, but if you make people, you, you paint people into a corner, man, they got to take a stand. And it's like, okay, so there's, I mean, they actually helped me a lot in terms of commitment. Because, you know, you guys know what it's like online. You know, often it's a lot of fun. Sometimes it's really challenging. Sometimes it's downright horrible. You know, it's a roller coaster, right? Yeah. And, And the media, by going after me in such a psychotic manner, it was like, okay, so I guess the world is kind of telling me that it wants me to stay a philosopher. And then I'm like, okay, uh, I got to I gotta dig in. I got to be strategic about this. There's no way that I can just rely on any kind of incremental growth. I've got to really commit. And I'm the kind of guy that uh, you, you come at me, I'm judo, man. I'm going to find some way to use your momentum. Yeah. Def- against yeah. me. Yeah. Against you, right? And, and so when the media comes at me, I'm like, okay, so... There's a, there's a split here, and that we were talking about this with regards to the IQ. So there's the experts, there's the professional literature, and then there's like the general idiot Borg brain out there in society that's pablum fed by the media and academia and Hollywood into believing stuff that is not only wrong, but fundamentally self-destructive. And so what I did was like, I thought, okay, well, there's got to be experts out there who are fine with family separations in case of abuse. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go talk to those experts, going to get them to come on my show. And that, originally I was just doing monologues, right? And then I started really, really branching out into doing interviews and grabbing people who had the expertise, who had the skill set, not really so much as a human shield, but just as, you know, again, don't shoot the messenger, right? No, I saw one of your early interviews where you had a guy on who did IQ studies who Mm -hmm. was, uh, I think he was fired. He was basically blackballed from academia. Uh, And you're- Oh, that's probably Jason Richwine. It could have been. I have no idea, but I remember listening to it in the gym. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, no, like, so, yeah, so yeah. that that really, um, it, it kind of caused me, I wouldn't say forced me, although you could kind of put it that way, but it, it caused me to, to embed myself more and, and to be a pipeline from the expertise to the general population. 
And, and this mm-hmm. pipeline is is really, really powerful, right? So I go out, because I'm not afraid of knowledge. I'm not afraid of facts. I'm, I'm yeah. a really, really curious person. No, I can so hear I'm that. Go and I want the, the experts, answers. And I'm going to get all that gold. I'm going to get all that treasure from the experts. And then, because, you know, they usually are you know, propeller heads and, and they're really, really good at their expertise and they don't want to, like they're the secret cabal of fact holders and they don't want to go down into the maelstrom of the general culture, which yeah. is full of you know some pretty significantly Idiots. dangerous and destructive elements if you try and bring facts down to bear on them. And it's pearls yeah. I mean, before swine. The guy, the guy who co-discovered DNA, James Watson, had his yeah. honorees stripped because he happened to talk about IQ and, and ethnic disparities and so on. I know. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go up to the guard. I'm going to get the tablets, so to speak. I know this is Moses, right? But I shaved my beard, so it's all right. So ah. I'm going to go up to the gods of knowledge. I'm going to get the facts and I'm going to repurpose and repackage them down for general consumption. And this pipeline between the experts and the general population is something so essential for society. You know, you don't want to be like, you know, the monks in the Middle Ages or the early Middle Ages who had all of this amazing knowledge, but they really kept it to themselves because there was a lot of religious hysteria in Western Europe at the time, and they kind of hid out in their monasteries, and they just poured over these old texts. And then it took Martin Luther to come along and, you know, blow this pipeline wide open from the experts to the general population. And so I view myself very much as like a printing press kind of guy. I'm going to get the the gold from the gods in Mount Olympus, and I'm going to just bring it down and, and give it away in the marketplace. And uh, that, that was the moment when I knew that was an important mission that I'm like, okay, yeah. uh, this is going to be uh, really controversial, but uh, I don't have any choice because they came at me so hard that there was no retreat that was possible anymore. And it's like, okay, I'm bearing down, baby. You know, it's funny how many people want, uh, are envious of that circumstance exactly. Like you hear more than, um, I mean, you hear more often than not that they want to be forced into a situation where they have to fly or die or sink or swim. Mm. Uh, it's just interesting that that is, that is essentially your origin story is the yeah. same thing yeah. that people, they're always saying like, oh, if like they're kind of always angling themselves into that doomsday scenario where they would they have, have to, to act. pursue their dreams. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. it's interesting. It's, I mean, a similar thing happened to this show. Like I got, I got blackballed from, uh, uh, the LA, the UCB comedy community, the LA comedy community. And it was either this show, what was that? um, about th- what, three years ago, Sean, yeah, so I had like another that, podcast. Maybe. I don't know if you remember this, but I tweeted at you a couple months ago. A guy with a saying, uh, "This here's a forty year old man with a weird bedspread, a big smiley face." Would you let the? What do you think about this guy babysitting your kids? Or what do you think about this? As a 40, I, I remember that. I remember yeah, that. and you said I'd find a different babysitter. Um, so I had a podcast with that guy for about two years, and I started dating an ex girlfriend of his secretly, uh, and his revenge for that was to cancel the podcast create a video youtube video about how i was uh, how i think women who get who drink too much and get raped deserve it that was his uh, that was his message mm-hmm. he pulled quotes out of context and craft and implied that this is what i thought he released yeah. it online and he's a big guy maddox had he had 300,000 youtube uh, followers at that he released it online and he got destroyed he got uh, people saw right through it they're like that's not what he was saying you're being a complete piece of shit to try to paint this guy as a as a rape apologist he called it so when that didn't work he took it to his personal community which is all comedians in la and he he released it to them uh which caused just massive uh feminist outrage like failure 
people who are failures as comedians and people who are failures as people. Like they just they circle around each other in coffee shops and embrace one another's failure, and that's their life. That's it. Uh, they had all day mm. to band together and demand that I be publicly quartered, yeah, or at least never allowed to perform comedy again. I lost all of my friends overnight. Uh, all business opportunities. I was on. I was on sold out shows at at the theater, which is not doesn't sound like a big deal, but that's the that's your network. Like that's, that's the farm. A big league. deal. No, that's a it big was success. A, yeah. It was a big deal to me. So at that moment, it was the very next day. I was I, we had a show the very next day, and I was like, all right, this 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 show's all we all I fucking have. Mm-hmm. This show's either going to be a hit or I'm fucking done with comedy. Yep. And I'm going back to being a normal fucking schmo. Um. So. Well, but here's the thing, right? Can you really go back to being a normal schmo if you're like, he's a rape apologist is all over the place, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, No. No is the answer. Um, Yeah, commitment is a muscle that grows through opposition. And I didn't really appreciate that at the time because, I mean, when you were going through this, and I'm I'm really, I'm sorry that, that this happened to you. But when you're going through this, you're like, well, this is bad, right? This is all these disaster scenarios floating around in your head. Uh, but you look back at it in hindsight, I'm like, man, this was, uh, this was a, you know, it's a very, very important trampoline propulsion mechanism that kind of got me to where I am. Oh, there's the yeah. wisdom part of it. It's interesting that you say that you sorry it happened to me too, because I've never thought about it like that. Uh, mm-hmm. what were your, I'm sure you've talked about this for this before, but what was your, what was the, what was the lessons you learned from your parents? What, what are some of the lessons you've learned from your parents? Kind of a deep question, but man, I think it's just so important the stuff people learn from their parents, especially their dads. Well, I didn't grow up with my father. He left when I was a baby. I did see him intermittently in Ireland and in Africa where he had his career as a geologist. But Mm. I learned a lot. You can learn a lot from disaster. And both my parents' lives were not exactly the life that I would choose. Yes, And I, I have a lot of mental health issues on both sides of my family. And so for me, it's kind of like, you know, if you, if you grow up and, and you find out that your, you know, your uncle died of a heart attack and, and your grandfather died of a heart attack and, and your father's got heart palpitations and problems, you're like, well, you, you can take one of two routes, right? You can either say, well, I'm not long for this world, so I'm going to drink and smoke and party my brains out and die before I'm 40. Or you can sit there and say, wow, you know, I really have a family tendency towards this kind of ill health. So I'm going to watch what I eat. I'm going to watch my weight. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to get regular checkups. I'm going to make sure that I do everything I can not to go down that road. So the ill health of your family teaches you about how to be healthy and how to live and how to live a long time and live well. This and is yeah, Sean's, no, he's, he's Sean's speaking got a background my language. like you. Yeah, he's speaking my language. I mean, this is yeah. he's right on. Yeah. I'm yeah, the so opposite. My, my dad is, sat me in front of the finance channel, and so mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So I, I sort of see the life arc of mysticism, which is really bad, really bad. I mean, people who believe in this otherworldly, higher dimension, ghosts passing through walls, psychic phenomena. Yeah, the outcome is really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to go down that road of, of mysticism and, and the meism of this unreality. It's 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 like a, a narcissistic religion of yourself, right? Because yeah. yes. you get all of this yeah. mysticism, yes. but you don't have any actual rules that you have to follow. There's no responsibility. There are no consequences. You're so always right. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, if, if I have these high octane brains around me, and, and most of the men in my family on both sides have had significant intellectual 
achievements all the way back to one of my ancestors was best friends with John Locke and produced something called the Molyneux problem, mm. which is mm. debated about, and I think was recently settled nice. yeah, in uh, philosophy and psychology to this day. Wow. But I was like, okay, I got a lot of high octane people, but they got a lot of problems. Yep. So Same if I me. can assume that I've got a high octane brain, my question is, how do I drive this very fast car so I don't end up as a flaming fucking wreckage like yeah. every other male yeah, right. in my family? Right, so I right, really right. had to learn how to drive this shit well. And that's why, you know, self-knowledge and, and psychology and philosophy was like, I don't have any choice about the speed I'm driving because I got a fast brain, but I really do have a choice about how well I steer this damn thing because I've seen the smoky smears on the wall of the other men who drove fast into nothingness and I really want to avoid that phase. So what I learned was, I guess, how to drive well and uh, fast. That's interesting. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's you, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like, well, he's in you. my head. He's in my head. <laughs> It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's similar experiences. Like me, I've learned from my parents, I've learned that I do not want to end up like my father. Yeah. Like my, you know what I mean? I was definitely down that road. I was yeah. definitely going right down that road. Huh. And it was like, yeah, all the, the self-knowledge, the introspection, all that kind of stuff. And you realize that you don't have to do that. You can learn from that and do something else. Yeah. Uh, I just have to and, stop know, when my mom from up, reading you, Sylvia Brown in a, books. In a bad neighborhood, there seems to be, I mean, bad neighborhoods are to some degree defined by fucked up relationships. Like people scream at sure. each other and throw and stuff and all yeah. that. And I remember as a kid listening to all this cacophony, this symphony of hell of people just not getting along in the paper thin walls of the crappy apartments we mm -hmm. lived in. And I remember really clearly guys just sitting to myself saying, how tough is it to just be nice to someone? Like, how tough is it to just <laughs> lot, be helpful? Yeah, apparently and to just a lot harder than I think. Why, why is that so difficult? Like, just, uh, just be nice. And, yeah. and okay, I, I had my share of, you know, not super functional relationship when I was younger, but, you know, having been very happily married, like my wife and I have maybe one or two disagreements a year. We've never raised a voice at each other, never mm -hmm. called each other names. It's the same thing with my daughter. Like, how hard is it to just... Be nice. Be and it sounds so simple. I know it's You're hard. A good and, life and over it here. takes a while to get there, but. I also learned, okay, so if you don't learn this stuff, then you're going to be end up in these situations where Same you're going to just be screaming your, your voice raw with someone at three o'clock uh -huh. in the morning. I remember being, when I was working up north, I was staying in a lodge and this couple was in their 70s, right? And they were still screaming at each other. Uh -huh. I remember the, the, the guy screaming at his wife like, oh yeah, well, your sister gives way better blowjobs than you. Yeah, and I remember cool. thinking, Pure I don't know going to take me. I don't want it to take, like, wherever my life takes me, as long as it doesn't take me there, it's been a pretty good life. I yeah, used to yeah. lay in front of the door. In my old apartment, I used to lay behind the door when the couple next door would fight and slide my phone out while I was recording just to get them throwing all their shit at each other and throwing it down the stairs, oh, kicking them out. Funny. It was great. I miss that part. Yeah. I miss that part of Hollywood. Uh, Stefan, I'm not, thank you so much for your time. This is, um, even as you're talking, I'm remembering other shit you said and wish I had to wish I had more time to ask you about it, but I, I really want to get, I really want to get these last two questions for you. Um, Hit me. when you, when you go to the bathroom, when you go number one, when you take a piss, do you go through your fly? Do you put your dick through your fly or do you go over your waistband? Oh God, no! Through the fly? Are you kidding me? Thank you. It just you. takes one zipper it. up, yeah. Frank and Beans moment from. Uh, uh, oh. So there's something about Mary. Like every every child, everyone who's a boy has done that at one time. You know. Oh, my kids are playing in the next room. I better hurry. <laughs> you know. You're telling so me you it just takes wait. one of those, and I'm like I'm like zipper enemy one. 
and the button shit is just so wait, too complicated the- and annoying. So, so you go over the waistband. You're telling me you go, you don't use the fly. You go, oh, you put your dick over the waistband of whatever you're wearing. Well, I wouldn't say I put my dick over there. I would say that I get a team, a Derek, and okay. I leverage my mm-hmm. dick over God my waistband. Damn because, it! You know, I see. Because, All right, because. <sighs> Okay. Uh, well, that's a loss for me. Mm. Uh, and finally, uh, what makes you a rage? It could be, I mean, we've covered a lot of topics here, but really personally, like what just, what just irrationally, if you have an irrational thought, what irrationally <laughs> makes you a rage? What irrationally okay, pisses I mean, you off? Okay, so two things pop into mind. Number one is, uh, this is going to be, okay, how petty, how petty do we want to get? Oh, extremely. Extremely, extremely petty? Yeah. All, right, uh-huh. all right, okay. Fucking air dryers. In, in bathrooms. Yep. Yeah. Like, holy shit, can you just give me something to, like, just give me something to dry my hands with? Because yep. it never seems to work, right? Mm. Like, you're just sitting there. How fast do I have to rub my hands? I got to go somewhere. I got to be somewhere. And I'm tempted to wipe my own, like, wipe them yep. on my ass or whatever. Just, and you get this weak ass, like, <sighs> you know, this little breath coming out. That used to be better. And and now it's just this, like, weak ass dragon farting that's going on. That I hate just em. seems to take forever. I never feel clean. And I always end up being too impatient to sit around and stay. Mm-hmm. New toilets. Oh, my God. New toilets are driving me completely insane. Low, low, because when I was flush. a kid... Yeah. My, when I was a kid, you used to have these toilets that were like open up the Bombay of a 727 at 40,000 feet. Whoosh. You ever remember those toilets? Yeah. yeah. Like it you'd sucked. hit them and you'd be like, yeah. You worry about you your lower intestine. It's like another dimension. It's like fucking stranger things down there. And you had to jump up Nietzsche or it would suck your, your bowels out through your ass. So the old yeah. toilets with their suction and their power used to be fantastic. Now you've got these weak toilets. They're like an eyedropper. You know, and, and if you're a dude, like we're dudes, right? So if you're a dude and you're laying some serious lock work go, and it's like, why the hell do I have yeah. to stand here and flush three times and grab a, a grab a, a brush? Like, come on, just just give me those old Boeing 747, open yep. up the belly of the plane stuff that sucks time out through my nose. That's what I want. Uh, and last thing, just, you know, computers. Like, you know, you work a lot with computers when you run sure. these kinds of shows. And I don't think I've ever, I've, I've not had a computer in 15 years where everything's working. Like you open up Photoshop and it's like, you have a problem with generator. Let me mm-hmm. put you to a uh, website that's mostly written in Swahili just so you can figure it out. And it's like, there's always something that's not working. And for the most part, it's okay. But every now and then they cluster together and it's just like, fuck it. I'm just going door to door. Forget this media shit. I'm just going door to door. I'm going to full on uh, go, go, you know, really, really uh, old school Jehovah's Witness stuff. I'm going to just knock on people's door and say, have you heard the good news about <laughs> philosophy? Because I'm really tired of wrestling with Photoshop. So I'm just showing up on your doorstep. Maybe you can give me something to drink, but I'm going to tell you the good news about philosophy. And, and that's my yeah. frustrations uh, in a nutshell. Who's your favorite philosopher? Uh, let me just uh, enjoy my reflection in the camera here. Um <laughs> The only well, honest, I mean, the only it, honest answer from a philosopher yeah, is themselves, no, I mean, obviously, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, obviously, I think I'm the best. Otherwise, I'd be promoting Who's someone else. Who's your second else. favorite philosopher? Well, in terms of teaching me how to think, Aristotle. In terms of you know your first love, it, it was the Ayn Rand uh, objectivist school that really kind of got me going yeah. in philosophy. And of course, Ayn Rand. It's funny, you know. This is this is the truth that comes out of crazy people sometimes, right? So my mom, when I got into Ayn Rand, when I was like I think 16 or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And my mom hated Ayn Rand. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, I really, really felt, she said years later, she, 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 that she became your mother and you just threw me aside. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Wow. That's yeah. right. She I'm, did become my mother. <laughs> so I've never had a conversation with that was my mom. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, you know, yeah. 
You had that yeah, kind of that shit was, laid uh, on you? smoky Russian tits were what I suckled <sighs> my first, first wisdom on. And uh, that's just the way it goes. You, you, can't, oh. you can't do better than your first love sometimes. Fucking moms. Yeah, that, that's a hell of a thing to say to a, uh, to a kid, definitely. Kid? That's, yeah, that's yeah. a little, you know, slightly overreacting and slightly... Yeah, but, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of true. It was kind of, in terms of like, uh, you know, the old line from King Lear, thou shouldst not have been old before thou were wise. Mm. You know, once you're like a kid, you're just wandering the, des- the, the sort of desolate oasis of, of boomers and grandparents, just trying to find someone who has a coherent and useful thought to put together that can help you in life. Yeah. Because uh, there was precious little going on when I was a kid, couldn't mm-hmm. respect the teachers. Uh, my parents weren't any, any use. Grandparents were nowhere to be found. And, you know, there was just, you're just wandering around trying to find someone who's got some useful shit to tell you that's going to help you in life. And eventually you go, okay, there's no oasis in this desert. I just got to start digging and become one. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, damn, there's so much else I wanted to talk to you about, but you've been so generous with your time. They're telling me to plug your subscribe star and your private Discord. Is there, uh, where, where can people find you? Is there anything you'd like to mention? Okay, so the, yeah, the website is, um, I, I ditched ditch the radio, Radio Shack style, because, you know, it's a bit archaic by now. Yeah. So it's just freedomain.com. That's freedomain.com. Okay. And uh, yeah, if people want to support the show, I don't do ads. Uh, I don't have sponsors. Uh, I don't have merchandise. I'm just basically- uh, You don't have merch. Uh, well. Asking people for donations to support what it is that I do. My, my uh, books are almost all free uh, and my- documentaries are all free and i won't be stealing your time leech like mosquito like with endless ads so if you want to support what i do listen to bunch and if you like it freedomain.com forward slash donate uh, if you donate through subscribe star which is an option there then you get access to uh, the the sort of private discord server i'll chat with people particularly with regards to debate prep we're going to start doing a weekly call-in show for donors oh, and i'm in there uh, in the chats uh, asking and answering questions a lot so uh, just you know you can find me uh, at freedomain.com and if you like it you know take a while absorb what i've got if you like it you think it's useful you want to help out uh, that would be great to freedomain.com slash donate you're going to crank out some real monsters in that Discord. Mm. Some real debating nightmares. Um, yeah, well, I, I heard you say that, I don't know, five, six years ago, and I've been a member ever since. Uh, thank you so much for calling. It's fun. Um, it, you got to take one of your 20-minute monologues and condense it for a T-shirt. You got to get some merch up there. That's the problem. That's right? why the merch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to be, chal- if you want to be a philosopher, you got to have that, that line. Uh, boy, right? you, you think it's challenging wearing a Trump hat? I'm not sure that free domain merch would be anything other than gathering the lasers of leftist snipers directly on your forehead. So uh, I'm mulling over the merch. But it's I think that's not, that's not an argument. Is a good slogan. I mean, that like I'll remember that forever. That's that a fucking a timeless saying. That's not an argument, right? Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Let's do it again sometime. And uh, it was a great, uh, great chat. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Have a good Sunday.